Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we've got the Fine Brothers. Because you see, Rhett, and people out there, the Fine Brothers are interesting people from the internet. And, and interesting we, people? And we have an interesting conversation with interesting people and interesting people. Most notably, they're not brothers. That's the first headline. <laughs> well, don't spoiler alert. No, so um, we, uh, actually, they are brothers. We go to the deep end with the Fine Brothers, discussing growing up Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn, dealing with a near-death experience on the Peter Pan ride with an employee while an employee at Disney World. You can find out which one of the Fine Brothers that was. Uh, we discuss their crucial role in the formation of Maker Studios and. Why they parted ways. And what they're going to do when they finally settle down. It will happen one day. Going into the deep end. I, th- I think that's some that's terminology I'm going to adopt as Ear Biscuits continues. Let's, well, let's, let's go into the deep end. And I think uh, the reason why, Rhett, is because of my experience at the spa. Now, the, I, I've been looking for an opportunity to share my experience while on vacation um, with all of you. No, well, I wasn't on vacation with all of you. I was looking for an opportunity to share this experience that I had with my wife with all of you. Am I being clear here? Not really. You're going to share an experience you had with your wife with all oh, of the people. Over the holidays. I'm all ears. Oh, yeah. Um, as you know, I decided to have a getaway with Christy towards the end after Christmas, but before we came back from uh, North Carolina, take three nights, go to Asheville. You also went to Asheville, but we made a pact that we would do different things, and if we happened to see each other, we would not speak to each other, well, because the, it, w- it was wife time. Yeah, I think the point is is that when you're in North Carolina, there's uh, it's a great place, but probably the best place to visit and to get away to in North Carolina is Asheville, so we didn't want one of us to pick Asheville and the other one to pick you know, like Benson, and then be like, well, you're in Asheville, I'm in Benson. We're like, well, let's both go to the place we want to go. But Lots let's, of mules in Benson. Let's not interact. And we did not interact. However, my wife did send a text to your wife at one point to tell her about a restaurant that you guys should eat at, and I know that you did, and it was great. Oh, and that's a whole other discussion. You're welcome. I think we should save that. Okay. All right. Well, let's save that for next week, Th- that one restaurant experience. Did you we think both about have. the name of the restaurant? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. let's okay. save that. All right. So anyway, going, um, the whole terminology of going in the deep end. Um, yeah, where's that because from? Because I went to a spa, the not just any spa, the Grove Park Inn, and I think they may call it resort now, or spa. That's what they call it. Grove Park Inn and Spa. This is an old hotel overlook in the mountains overlooking Asheville. Um, but the spa is what's world class, but mm-hmm. you got to stay there in order to get entrance into this place. So... Um, I decided to splurge on this, and we would have some quality time at the spa. You know, get a couple's massage. There's a lot of guys who are averse, and when we went there into the lobby, there was a guy there who was not only averse, he was very nervous about the the fact that he was going to get a massage. Now, I am... I'm just, like, giving the guy the poo-poo face. Yeah. Because... And that's ridiculous. I love... Getting a massage. That, it's just a very um, uh, an American thing sometimes, unfortunately, to just be uncomfortable. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Let me emphasize my discomfort with- By coughing by up coughing. a lung. Um, Are you going to vomit? He's making you want to vomit. Being uncomfortable with like being touched or going into a spa, wearing a Speedo. Come on, brothers. I, lo- lo- loosen up a little bit. I, I'm going on record. I love being touched. <laughs> Mm. Period. End of story. Um, so, I mean, a couple's of massage, you're in the same room with your wife, but you each have your own masseuse, and they, you know, they say, do you want a man or a woman masseuse? I was like, I don't care. Oh, you said you don't care. That's a mistake. No, I said I want a woman. Okay. But and I thought, it don't, it, I, if it was a man, I'd be like, okay, whatever. But your wife also requested a woman, right? Yes. Right. So I requested a woman for everybody. Right. I did all the requesting. Yep. But before I, we even get into the massage, I knew that this was the type of thing that you just go to the spa and you stay there all day. This place, they ha- at first they separated us. A man came and took me into the men's locker room what? and then started giving me a tour through the whole facility. Did started, he grab your hand and lead you? Well, he, he told me to strip down and then put on a robe. 
he did not touch me. Mm-hmm. And then I did that, and then me and the nervous guy, he took us both around and, and paraded us. <laughs> he toured us of this place. I mean, there's like, Rhett, there's like 14 pools, different pools it. in this spot. I've heard about it. I've seen it on the Travel Channel. This pool here is um, 78 degrees. It is the lap pool. As you can see, the woman there is not having any trouble floating because it's infused with many minerals to make uh, her more buoyant. Really? And then um This one has a touch of Tabasco sauce. When in it. you're underwater, <laughs> when you put your ears underwater, you can hear music playing. Really? And when you look up at the sky, especially after dark, you can see the simulated stars in the simulated sky above the lap pool. Like doing the backstroke, looking at the fake stars. And this is all the music. from like from ancient times too, right? I mean like a hundred years ago. That's he ancient for America. He didn't say. Okay, well, it's an old place. That's all I know. And then he said, and this pool is 84 degrees, and it's more for lounging. And then over here, there's like waterfalls falling into hot tubs. Then you go outside, and there's a there's a pool, but it is 104-degree hot tub. Now we're getting to a good place. Like- 104 degrees. I don't oh, know about yeah. that. Oh, yeah, and you're outside, and it's cold, and you can order a drink poolside. And then you go back in to the men's only area, and there's another hot tub- but then a, like a little round hole full of water right beside it. And I'm like, it's a toilet. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that is a, that's a small hot tub next to a bigger. He said, that's the plunge pool. And I was like, oh, I remember this. It's cold. This is when, yeah, it's really cold. Yeah. So it's like dipping yourself into a mountain stream. Mm-hmm. And then you go into the hottest of hot tubs right next to it. Might be a trout in there. And I'm like so excited. I get to do all this stuff and it's just amazing. And uh, I don't know why that wasn't mixed company. That was in the men's only area. And and Chrissy said there was one in the women's only area. I don't know if I was supposed to get naked before jumping in. Because I don't, I'm not taking off my shorts before jumping in the polar plunge pool. I mean, any guy knows that. Well, as long as you get into the hot tub quickly. (laughs) Things will write themselves pretty quickly. Well, I did it, but I didn't I didn't strip down before I did it. And then there was a sauna and a steam room and all that stuff. I mean, and this is even before getting the massage. This place is amazing. Now it's expensive as all get out. But for one full day, it was like I was in H two O heaven. You spent like a literally a full day? Yeah, I got like there from like, the morning until the evening? We left and got we ate lunch there poolside but then we went we left and ate dinner somewhere but we came back because i wanted to swim under those stars yeah i can hear the music i gotta do that sometime i'm going full naked though the uh and i'm not gonna be there yeah the massage itself wasn't that great but the massage it, it was great but it wasn't any greater than some of the massages that i've gotten out here in los angeles but the massage facility was pretty amazing i mean they were like what type of music would you like me to play would you like me to play native american or piano music. How about Native American piano? I said I wanted a mix. And then after, I I started, halfway through, I started realizing that the piano music was really cheesy. (laughs) And I was like, hey, let's, I want to go full Native American. Yeah, of course. Uh, Obviously. That's what you got to do. Okay, I mean, that's, so I'm saying you should go, but I shouldn't be there. Especially if you're going to go. I'm going to go, my wife is going to be there, and I'm going to, I'm going to be naked. All right, but, uh, so, I mean, you can hear it in my voice. I am revitalized. I have been for the few weeks ever since I've been back. Um, yeah. Well, let's that see how deep end. Let's see how revitalizing this conversation with the Fine Brothers is. I think it was pretty revitalizing as it has already happened, and now we're telling you about if it. If not just insightful and like going into a, a cold mountain spring of internet <laughs> experience. Okay, you know these guys, Benny and Rafi Fine. They're the creators of several successful YouTube series, most notably the React series. Kids react, teens, teens react. react, YouTubers react. These feature people reacting real-time to culturally relevant, timely, sometimes shocking videos. They are very, 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 very popular. Uh, yeah, they've been featured in uh, nearly every worldwide publication, including New York Times, Time Magazine, Variety, Huffington Post, and have won daytime Emmys, Streamies, Webbies, IAWTV. Uh, th- these guys are legit. You know this. Why else, wh- why, why else would we not be talking to them? We would... I don't even understand what that question, was that even a question? I don't think it was. I think we should just get from the questions to the conversation. To the deep end. Here it is, our conversation with Benny and Rafi Fine. Okay, so as we've established, you guys are 
we consider ourselves pretty busy, but we think you guys are the busiest guys on YouTube. So. Uh. Um, Quantify your busyness. How are your, you know, how are your lives going? I mean, like, you know, is this, this is a, just another job for you coming in here having to do this podcast. We want you to just relax. We've given you bottles of water. <laughs> Thank you. Nice cushiony brand. seats. It's a brand. We want this to be <laughs> recreation not, not and relaxation for you. We might give you a massage. We might give oh, you a mud whoa, mask. Whoa. I actually want that right now, but nobody's going to see that, so it's it's not no. visual, right? Well, We're not being it's filmed. It's happening right now. Yes, There's it's happening. We're getting a massage, guys. It's amazing. We're, uh, we're all naked. We're naked giving each other massages. Yep. It's really good. It's happening. But well, in well, the I'm sense, to clarify it, but I'm not. In, in the sense of busyness, I mean, yeah, uh, like currently we don't have lives, quote unquote, what people like to call. <laughs> quote like, unquote oh. lives we don't have. <laughs> in the sense of our lives is completely making the shows, uh, you know, wake up. And by up. that you mean wake up from... Your yeah. waking life is devoted to producing the content on your channels. Yes, and developing things for the future wherever they might end up, be it online or television or film, et cetera. So yeah. there's no downtime. Like, you, I mean, do you eat meals? Do you recreate? Um, uh, meals, it's like one, one a day, meal usually really late at night. At like midnight. Which is not one healthy. Meal. You know, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I follow you guys on Instagram, and I saw like a 12.30 dinner. That was me, yeah. Last yeah. night. Because I love to cook and don't have any time to cook. So I shot for the first time in like more than a month recently, and I'm like, oh, I got to cook. I got all this stuff. So I get home really late, and then I cook late at night, and I have a really good time. I'm like, yeah, late night cooking. <laughs> and then I realize I have all this food that I don't have anyone to feed it to. Oh, God. <laughs> it's not that sad, though. <laughs> but so, it, it is so a bad thing So you guys don't live do. together. Anymore. anymore. Very recently, anymore. yeah. We finally took the took the step. Where when we were kids, when we were younger, we never like even shared the same room or anything. It's only been hmm. since we moved out here that we shared the room. Right. For we the didn't first live time. together for a while. And we you didn't... were still in film school, and then right. I was working at Disney World. Yeah, we were separated for many many years, and then ended up living together out here. And you guys even saw that because we you go we're, you're one of the early collaborators of ours with that lost thing we did together so right. those years ago. Yeah. And you came to that apartment that was our same apartment all the way until October. Yeah, with the Abraham yeah. Lincoln really? picture. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, oh, Pretty oh, yeah. much no other decor. Correct. I remember. Correct. Again, no beds. You, we didn't have beds. You guys, you guys there, moved yeah. in and just started making videos, <laughs> and you hung one Abraham Lincoln. In, yeah, right. the, in the, that time period, every single video we made, Lincoln <laughs> yeah. was there. You know, yeah. we got to put him up. <laughs> yep. Yep. We didn't have the rights to that thing, though. Sadly, we really should. We, we should still figure out the rights videos. to that thing. Yeah. I don't think. I think it's a. I think it's public domain. Okay. Hopefully, yeah. He's been dead for however long. Content right? ID is going to come after us for that, Lincoln. <laughs> so you did move into separate. Yes. Estates. Yes. 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 And, and that's the first life thing we've done in like eight years. <laughs> is actually move apart. Yes. That's that, that like because otherwise it always was like we have no time. We can't look for an apartment. We can't like actually think about what that means and how we have to like separate what we own. And even though we're barely home. Uh, but yeah, that was like the first thing where it was like we have to move on with our lives. And it took us like many, many years to even do that. It's always just every waking moment is dedicated to uh, – creating content and it's funny because it wasn't like a decision that we like made no. at a certain point like a decade ago even though it's been about a decade of this though it's gotten a lot busier in the last like 18 months but it's still like somehow we're just meshed like that and both of us just started becoming workaholics at some point yeah and it never stopped right so workaholic is a negative term i mean do you it seems that you're kind of acknowledging that that there's you you've got to exercise a, some health for yourself Mm -hmm. And step one is moving out, like living in separate places. In the sense of being able to uh, force the – by every waking moment being about the job, I think even being around each other, yeah. uh, even though we're best friends, is also part of being best friends and life is – the work yeah. so by at least having even a few hours separated or when there is a moment where there's like oh there might be a half a day it isn't also then next to each other being able to be like so what should we work on right. you're able to at least have a moment to think well what else should i be thinking yeah. about this is right why now? we can't go on vacations together this is why is that something you guys yeah, make sure definitely. you don't do right this is yeah. what, why when we begin to think about what we're doing in our free time our wives are like no you guys can't be together hmm. because It'll become a conversation about some idea, <laughs> and, and it's it's, and that's, it's, it's not, not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's like <laughs> but, you know, you yeah. talk about you guys are not only brothers. You said you're best friends, you're right. collaborators, you're uh, co-producers on everything. Right. In the same way, we find ourselves the way that we build our friendship is is by working on things. Mm. So we have found that the discipline of separation 
leads to us not working as much. Yeah, if if we lived together, if we didn't have wives and kids, and you know, it would be very, there'd be a big temptation to just wake up and work and then sleep right. a little bit here and there. So I can see that. So you've kind of forced yourself to make that decision. Yeah, is it, that helping? Well, oh, it's, yeah. it's new, but it definitely is helping. Just just the feelings of sometimes, oh, I'm not working at the moment. You know, even just that idea of like when I get back home, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm done if I make myself not check email. You know, like that, uh-huh. that type of situation. Throw the phone across the room. So of course, that, you still yeah. Instagrammed the meal that you made it. <laughs> Well, but that's part. That's Instagram, that and I like social of what we media. All have to do. Right. I enjoy yeah. though, Instagram. I don't really, honestly, and I say this all. I've said this before. Like Instagram, we were very late to the party, and I don't really like Instagram, and I don't like taking pictures. And our whole life, even we don't have pictures, and we, yeah. we have some, and we always regret like childhood stuff. Like why? And we talk to our mom, who she's like, "You hated it. You would never let me do <laughs> like, it." Why don't we have pictures, mom? She's like, "Cause you would cry. That's why." <laughs> really? My three-year-old refuses to be in a picture. He's like Bigfoot. He'll regret it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, though, that's well, funny, too, though, is that we looked back recently, we came across old video, and our dad, who's a very interesting person, but at one point had an institute where he was trying to help a lot of runaway kids in, in New York and made a video for his nonprofit that we were in. We were really, really little kids, and we each have met little memories about that shoot, but we finally saw the tape again recently. And it's crazy to see it's our childhood encapsulated of what we were like as kids which is not really what we're like now but we're walking down the block in Brooklyn I look miserable <laughs> yes. like I don't want the camera on me I'm like don't even look at me my life is is hell while he's hamming oh, he's ham. he's like it's such a wide shot like, but he's oh. like ah! yeah like he's trying to say like we help runaway kids it's really, and I'm like whoa, 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 whoa. and it's just like oh my god Rafi shut up and now I tend to be more subdued than and I'm he much is more now. up yeah, yeah. Comp- overcompensating, huh? Is <laughs> okay. that what's happening Could here? Be. Okay, so you mentioned Brooklyn, and I think some people uh, might know this, but we do want to... It's in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do know that. Yeah. Um, so that's where you were born. Yeah. yeah. I was born in, in uh, Brooklyn Hospital in a very black neighborhood. The family story is my older sister came in and said, I want the black one. Because <laughs> I was the only white baby there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we grew up in Flatbush and Brooklyn. for yeah. some reason. <laughs> And I look like neither. I look like neither of you. <laughs> You're the darkest of all of That's us. That's true. Because so you, you were a, black. <laughs> you've got an older sister. Yeah. Yes. How much older? Uh, she's almost three years older than me. We're all like two and a half years apart yeah. from each other. Okay. I'm in the middle. Middle, of two course. Two and a half I mean, years. He's younger. the weirdest of the bunch. Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the middle child, the neglected child. The, Either of you, middle, only uh, child, only and younger. Ah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never an opportunity to be the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're technically, <laughs> neglected. you're technically the oldest, the middle, and the youngest, which is interesting. Well, how can you be the middle on? if you're the youngest and the oldest, but in the middle? Well, that's called <laughs> the only child syndrome. You are everything to everyone, <laughs> yeah. at least you're, that's what you're you think. You're everything and nothing at all. So what was it like? You said that your dad was an interesting guy. What was what were your, your well, parents? The whole, the your whole parents? upbringing was interesting because we grew up Orthodox Jews all the way until we were teenagers. But so, the story even before that, just quickly, is that both of our parents grew up on the West Coast and Jewish families, Jew, you know, Jewish history, everything. Uh, nobody Orthodox. They were big hippies. Uh, and uh, our father was like really into like LSD and like lots of things. Her living mom, in the hate in Berkeley. Living in the hate. 1967, you know, he was there. As oh, in you guys can right get. At UC Berkeley during it. Oh, wow. And they great were both bands, going on like great pants. Remembers yes. none of it or what? He remembers the... tons of it. He used to have even our, he has our house all the posters has from all when he was concert posters, posters and, yeah. that he then sold some of them later, but like really classic posters. He like sold these posters on like eBay for like five hundred dollars. Yeah. Like those like those classic amazing right. artwork posters that like so limited, but they got at those concerts. But both of them fully, you know, like hippies, everything, spiritual journey stuff. Then they basically decided they went to Israel, and then they decided that they wanted to become Orthodox Jews, but in like a hippie way. Like they were going to go undercover. And the idea was- Orthodox, Orthodox. To what? Yes, completely. (laughs) I think it was like the revival. What was it? Like it it was underneath like Jewish revival that was like a, but so our father went undercover almost to become a rabbi in like hardcore Brooklyn, you know, going to become a rabbi there without letting them know that that's what he was really wanting to do. So we ended up- Letting the Orthodox community know okay. that he was actually like a spiritual. We can go on and off of this because it's it's not simple process to like not be an Orthodox Jew and then show up and be like I'm going to suddenly become very very religious. They're right. very skeptical yeah. of these things. Got it. Yeah, yeah. outsiders like gotcha. that whole idea of even like e- even Jews on like, Jews. You know. There is outsider tendencies based on how religious you are. It's complicated. Uh-huh. So we ended up kind of just getting born 
right in that moment where they were becoming orthodox and they did end up kind of embracing the orthodox lifestyle, not just trying to do it and get out and become a rabbi and leave. They ended up kind of buying into it. So long story short, they were all in. We were raised very religious, but things that they were doing was very unorthodox where they would be helping kids on the streets and not just the Jewish kids and not trying to make the Jewish kids that had run away from home for various reasons to become orthodox just to get them off the streets, which was controversial to not make them be what they used to be. And, it's a whole crazy, crazy upbringing that was like all walks of life would all be hanging out. And when we talk to people now that we're still in touch with that knew us when we were kids, they describe it as it was just a place to go to meet other nice, cool people that were trying to be good, which is very interesting with some of the stuff we do now where we realize, oh, where did the idea for things like talking to people and come from? And we realize really oh, embracing people, people and having opinions, opinions and being and a person. It's like other. this obviously came from being in that environment where everyone was who, we didn't know the stories. We were so young, but then finding out later, this person had this drug problem, or this person had this abuse in their life, or et cetera, et cetera. But they were all just people that were friends to us growing up. Yeah. So, what was it like being kids in that environment where your parents had experienced this, you know, transformation, but they were still trying? They were, you know, they were doing it in an unorthodox way at the same time. We didn't know much of the difference, which I think is normal when you're young. Like you just think this is the way life is. The only things that we realized were different was when we'd visit grandparents because no one else in the family was orthodox. So like we'd go and visit them and have to be explained that they don't keep the Sabbath. They don't keep kosher, you know, things like that. Other than that, though, it was a pretty great childhood up until, you know, the point where you get older. Well, it was still great for me. You ended up rebelling. Well, well, yes, but it's like, you know, you get older and some of the rhetoric comes in and there's and for me being more of the. I need to have answers and let's have a real conversation and you can't really, you kind of hit a brick wall sometimes and what, really right ring What kind religion. of answers were you? Well, it was more of like kind of questioning, well, why did, did we say that with when technology changed, it doesn't say anything like this in the Torah. Like, you know, why do we say this is okay and not this? And the answer- the Torah is like the Bible. Yeah. yeah. But uh, not going into the super specifics was kind of just getting brick walls of because that's what it says and we're not good enough now. But then I would go on and on about, but the Talmud, the entire Talmud is just, which is complicated, Another but it's, it's, it's a book- <laughs> That is so many books. It's not even of laws. It's about rabbis from centuries ago debating the laws. Right. And which is something I actually still think is pretty cool about the Jewish religion is that there's so much study done about arguing about why. And Mm -hmm. I think that's cool. But in today's world, they don't. You're not really. You can't really ask why. You can just look at what other people thought, and you can't. agree to disagree you know you have to you have to follow this way and i would be like but that's contradictory and then the rabbis would just be like well it has to be that's what it says deal with it and if you question too much you start getting in trouble so so you started for me you started 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 questioning and getting in trouble yes Yes. i started i went from like the the person that was like the next rabbi in my class to the one that was getting in trouble often from asking too many questions okay so you got i mean you were kind of this was part of your life and, yeah. and you were kind of all in as a, as a kid so but then something changed so what age are we talking about like this, middle school high school he has very specific stories of why it happened it started yeah. it started at age 13 my bar mitzvah where things get there a lot more responsibility comes onto you as a male when you're 13 in orthodox Social Judaism adult. you've got a, you're a man now yeah. and like there's certain things you that, wear a cool hat now you do the black hat is a cool it's hat it's an expensive but cool hat the way that prayer works becomes different and the school day becomes a whole lot longer and like so my school day which already was long the school day was 9 to 4.30 but then it became 7 to 5.45 and then all this homework and it was just getting a little bit too much for me even just on that side of things and so that's where things started for me and where, also the 7 to, to 5.45 and there's still only two hours of secular no, regular no, 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 study it was three, that, right? it was three at that point it's, for me, it was only two, right? For you, it was two and a yeah, half. Two and a half. But because uh, the, the things that you have to learn in America and then the rest of the day was was Hebrew. <laughs> you have to learn to be American. Yeah. <laughs> but the quick story I always, that is the moment I remember is my principal who I was terrified of. And he's still the principal at the same school to this day. We should go uh, talk to him. I want to go talk to him. Oh, he's listening. I, I, well, even seeing like your oh, guys' your documentary, guys see, it's that, like very like, yeah. oh, I want to go back and talk to my teachers. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it'd be so, so crazy to go back and talk to like Orthodox rabbis that were our teachers and be, that, like, and be like, you were right. great. But look what happened to me now, and like you know, all yeah, that. Right. But, but yeah, I, our, our teacher was uh, hot, <laughs> and so there was there was uh, there was a, some interest on that level. <laughs> That's why you guys were a little go different. Back. Yeah, we yeah. had some hot rabbis. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Those beards. Yeah, but uh, the, the way that it worked with the long school day, the seven thirty in the morning until nine was prayer. That prayer was always at school, but then once you become thirteen, you're part of something called a minion, which ten. 
13 or old, 13 or up males together can pray properly. There's things you can only do with 10 males that are adults and 13 is an adult in that world. So you have to start going to the minion really early in the morning and do all that. And I wasn't feeling well one morning and was like, I, I can't get up and do this. I need to sleep an extra hour, but I didn't, I really wanted to go to school. Like I had no interest in not going. I wanted to go and learn that day. I was all excited about it and I was happy. I'm like, I'm feeling better. Let me go. And I got in so much trouble that morning because, and being told like, if you don't come to the minion, you shouldn't even be here. When I'm trying to then go back to them and be like, but this doesn't make sense. I came here to learn. I wanted to learn. And that was the f- a moment that is very paramount in my mind that I'd love to tell that principal, be like, if you had not done that to me, it is hypothetical. I would not have gone down the path of questioning as much as I did to lead me completely not to do this anymore. And that's the moment I can pin it all back to is where everything started to change. Right. So it, it crumbled apart from you there. What was the cold turkey moment? Was that there was no cold turkey moment, and that that from there that was thirteen, and then we were. I was still very orthodox all the way to like seventeen. Both of us didn't eat something like non kosher. No, or my, like that. one of the big all moments the of life. my life. I was maybe twenty three and had a cheeseburger for the first time. When at that point I had had a little bit of non-kosher stuff or I'd eat chicken but like milk and meat together is such a no-no mm-hmm. and I it was a moment of like I'm f- I'm, g- I'm never going back I'm getting a cheeseburger <laughs> and that's like was not a, a bacon cheeseburger that's no. too far guys <laughs> right 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 but where did you get the cheeseburger it was at McDonald's because McDonald's was such a place that oh, I was that was like you could never eat there it's so f- you know not kosher and it wrong it felt like and felt even though I knew it wasn't going to be McDonald's, good McDonald's like the look of it and Ronald McDonald and everything was just kind of like <laughs> it was like idolatry it felt like idolatry and McDonald's feels wrong to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. of Nobody understands why he exists. <laughs> yeah. Basically, but even then, it was it was a decade long journey to get out. Very and then slow almost for each an, of us. For each of us in different ways, yeah. and then almost another five six years after the ten years to really feel comfortable with my decisions and not have guilt and like all these things to really feel like no, this is who I am. Which in a lot of ways I'm very thankful for because it has made me look at the world differently. It's made right. me not just accept things as they are. It also makes me understand religion, which means I understand people better because I totally relate. Embracing even of people it. that are yeah. really religious. Just, I have no issues with it because I totally know what that's like, and, and, I have, it, and I, it can be an amazing and great thing. And I have a lot of positive memories people. about it too. Yeah. So you moved out of the house. When was the cheeseburger moment? That was that was, that was in Orlando, 20. Florida. Like no, we skipped. Like, that's a like skip. nine, was, eight, nine years ago. Oh, okay. So that was after you were out of the house. Yes. You were, you were down managing something in Disney that's World. Right. And, and yeah. Ralph, you were kind of observing this as a younger brother. Yeah. And so what were you what I, was going through your mind? At I the was time? like I loved every I couldn't I wasn't at the age yet where I had to start like worrying or thinking. Everything was still like fun and everything was a game and I would get stickers and that was all the learning I was doing. It was like, oh sweet stamps and like I'm getting I'm a great student and like I'm enjoying myself so much. And then we ended up kind of down this path where it was like Benny's not doing that great in this environment we might have to change some things right. and there was some of that where like also the orthodox community was getting kind of more uh strict that we were in in brooklyn so our parents weren't even liking that as uh, in general because we were so unorthodox in this orthodox environment where our parents even let us watch like beavis and butthead and that was like a horrible thing like kids yeah. would come up to us in school and ask us like what happened to beavis and butthead <laughs> and we'd be like oh i'll tell you don't worry and uh so we were you know always so kind you of started outside the oral tradition of beavis and butthead <laughs> beavis and butthead and oh, listening yeah. to metallica those yeah. are the two big oh, things wow. huge crazy horrible things but and we were playing role-playing games and you Guns know, and like, dragons Guns and dragons and we were uh-huh. orthodox kids so it was interesting in that way, but it was for me. Everything was just I was st- I was such a happy, like fun, like I just nothing ever really phased me. Kid, it was just always laughing, always smiling. Everything was great. So I just kind of saw what was going on, and I was just more fearful for him because there was all this talk of like sending him off to a boarding school, and like he has Ooh. to go off to a yeshiva somewhere else because he's giving trouble and like all this stuff. And we ended up, I guess, as a family, deciding instead just to move out of Brooklyn, moved up to upstate New York to a school that was like not as orthodox and to a whole community that was not as orthodox. The whole family moved. Yeah, yeah we all moved we ended, away. The whole family ended up moving. So we went upstate and like, you know, it was, I still, everything was kind of just fine for me. I, I lucked out. The whole experience for me was I got to watch Benny literally like just get at my parents all the time and like be the horrible middle child that like was so rebellious. And then whenever I decided to like also kind of be rebellious, it was much easier for me. They were like, it was oh, like, we've been here. Well, right. the, the story easy for me is like the one, the one time only that I had the TV moment of like, I'm leaving the house, I'm driving away and I'm not telling my parents where I'm going. Only happened once and it was arguing over the fact that I started dating a non-Jewish girl. Mm. And I was, I was, uh, I had just turned 18 and it was a huge to-do with my parents and I stormed out the one and only time 
go two, three years later, Ravi had a girlfriend no through all of high school. No was not was not an issue. <laughs> I, like I went, you know, it was literally like I had my moments where I literally had to like have the conversations. Every step of the way, it was uh, had to have the conversation. That I didn't because I when we first moved out there, I was still going to a yeshiva to learn extra studies, and that was going on for a while. And then they ended up decision. in public school. The only one of us that right. was in public school, and there was mm-hmm. still even then, it was like you still got to like keep going with your studies because now you're just going to not even be learning Hebrew and. Torah and everything. So you still have to go after school to learn that stuff. And then slowly but surely I had to start saying, I don't want to do that anymore. Then I had to start saying, I want to go out on Shabbos on Saturdays. You know, I want to be able to drive and do that. I want to be able to date a non-Jewish girl. Each of these were like mega, like intense conversations, but not nearly as Someone intense. Someone had paved the way. Yes, yeah. completely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Every turn, I, so I literally like... went to public school and I went to prom and I played baseball for, you know, like I, I was able to just do everything more normal than my brother and sister completely. Now, do you I think that, out. I mean, <laughs> do you think that, um, I mean, did your parents have this sense that they were losing control or was it like, you know, obviously it had to be a different process for them having come from the background they came from and then sort of making you know, it really strict and then yeah. slowly coming out. So it had of to be different well. than somebody who was Orthodox from birth. Correct. If there was something like that going on, it would not have been, even though I say, oh, it took 10 years. No, that was more personal journey than it was like strict parents or family. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that I know from having friends that are that are in that generational Orthodoxy for hundreds of years. Have lost like you family, can't just, so many family members to the Holocaust and like all these things. It's so deep You can't just leave. It, it becomes an excommunication scenario sometimes for those families. For us, it was, we have hippie parents. So like it was, <laughs> They were very open. I couldn't talk to my rabbis that way, but I could talk to my dad. Like I could have those conversations with him and he wasn't he was never hard line. We would have good conversations and it was more for the things like deciding to date a non-Jewish girl or stop me making my own personal decision that wasn't like horrible arguments what's wrong with you, but it was more of like, well that's too much, you know, and it was I think that was their own journey too of realizing, wait a second, what do, where are we now? And even now with all of us, like our dad still being the most religious, but all of us have mellowed out about this. And I think Is he still a rabbi? Well, you never are not really a rabbi. You go through rabbinical college and you're still okay. a rabbi. Because even the thing, the difference between like a rabbi or a priest, there's no, you can be a rabbi without any congregation. Rabbi means teacher. So teachers all tend to be rabbis and rabbis are, have congregations, but you can just be a rabbi that doesn't have any of that and is just a teacher. You don't have to be in, at the head of a synagogue to be a rabbi. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's still a rabbi and people still, he gets called for advice for things and still gets called when there's a runaway because it was such his line of work for so long. Now that he's retired here and there, he'll still get called being like, where do, where do I go to? Well, what do I do? My kid ran away and that he's still like someone that through Helps the through the connections of people he yeah. ends up still getting contacted about that stuff he wrote a book about it really yeah well okay now i heard you mention that you know there was a point in which uh, you were kind of in line to be the next rabbi and then of, of course with this rebellion and kind of seeing things differently did that begin to change your aspirations were you guys thinking at the time uh, we want to do something creative like where when did that, that come yeah, in when did it I, you start? were thinking i want to be a youtuber <laughs> because <laughs> that existed thing. <laughs> well i love that even that because of people asking when did you decide to go on youtube you're like we were already making videos before, before youtube, YouTube. <laughs> yeah. so it wasn't a decision to go to youtube an online an filmmaker. online con- filmmaker yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh you know even before all of that like i wouldn't even the thing that I always wanted to be when I grew up, even with all the talk of being a rabbi, was a baseball announcer. I yep. loved, I Every still love baseball. He'd be playing and the games and he'd just be like, God, he You always hear me announcing the baseball game, video games. Whenever I'd go to a Yankee game, I'd be announcing the game with a little yep. tape recorder. Like, it's what I really wanted to do. Wait, wait, wait. You would go to a live <laughs> yes. Major League Baseball game. I have these still. With, oh, a, wow. with a tape recorder? What are those little, like, the most tiny annoying tape kid recorders? ever. How, yeah, how I, old think, are we I don't about? think that's called commentating. I think 10, that's called dictating. 10, 11 years old? <laughs> you were dictating the game. Well, you announced it, just like, you know, you watch on TV, and I Not was there. Not if it's just going to a tape for you. That's dictating. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I wanted to do. But yeah. with that, I always had, my dad also had that little tape recorder that you take notes for, like, you know, those little tiny uh, cassettes. Yeah, a dictator. Fine, <laughs> fine. But I started there, and even then, and I was roping you into it even back then, I was constantly fiddling around. It was all started with audio first, where I'm like, oh, I wanted to make little funny tapes and interview people around the block or use the, the speed to make myself, make myself sound like a chipmunk and, mm-hmm. like, yep. do stuff like that that then evolved, and all my bar mitzvah money went to audio equipment, and I had all this professional audio equipment and made hundreds of talk show radio weekly. shows. It was we- pretty much weekly. It was every week yeah. I would do a talk show slash 
music countdown of like my 20 favorite songs. <laughs> Whenever you would find a new band, they become number, number one, one out of nowhere. Oh, I love it. And you would distribute it how to your to, younger well, brother? Well, he was in it. I would rope yeah. him in and play characters. I, I would do, like, play the, uh, a baby character. <laughs> and, like, so I would I don't, play... my, my, my Cedric character. And, like I would like be playing the different characters and rope neighbors in, etc. And then we would play them because we would still be driving. From once we were upstate, our sister, who was older, would, would end up being in school in the city. So if there was a drive to the city or we're going to a ball game, this became family listening on the two-hour drives to places. Oh, so, so it they was had ju- to be good. I mean, we, well, we, we made similar recordings, but it was just for our own enjoyment. We would have never, never played it's them for our people parents. listen to them. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was no, like no, a no, thing you was, do. I got a tape ready. We're yes. going on a trip. I'll make a tape for that. <laughs> oh, it, it would be a big deal of what became number one. It was for family. It was like, oh, wow, like, that went to number there was one. Like a li- there, was like, there was like a list on my wall of like what the current chart was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent. But And even before any recordings and stuff, the playtime and everything of just of around the block were always these like crazy imaginative adventures that he would create for us and our Whether friends. Whether we had toys or no toys and like we were big and like even when we came to the internet with this three hour long G.I. Joe action figure thing many years ago well, that came from what we used to do and play with Playing the G.I. Joes but it wasn't just elaborate storylines. Right, it wasn't crash into each other or fight with guns it was like alright here's the storyline for this yeah. episode of G.I. Joe and like, Destro you know, just really pissed off you know General Hawk and like you know because he just I was about to say slept with his wife but that, <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have done that <laughs> so, but you know he yeah. would just come well, up he with was, these he was jealous of his silver head oh definitely yeah, it's yeah, crazy because right. we recently reconnected with our we had a, one of our good friends growing up was our, a Catholic next door neighbor just a random that we had like a real our best friend was our next door neighbor who was more religious than us, and then our a Catholic girl who was extremely controversial for us to be hanging out with. We <laughs> but, we're still, but we're still with. in touch with both of them. But yeah. uh, even talking to her when reminiscing about the past, she talked about specific, and it's weird for me hearing it because I don't remember it in the same way that he does and she does of being like she even called out what it was like, and it was like we'd get together and you would just tell us what we were playing that day, and we'd yeah. like adventures. We'd, we'd play and have hours. adventures on the block, and I don't fully remember it that way. I was just playing. all in our heads, yeah. like in, you know, in the sense of like he would just. Like, and this is the magical crayon that brings us to another place. So you were also the creative dictator. Which, which, like. which led into, into never, all this happening. I, yeah, he never, this I never was not was an interest of Rafi's. I never was a filmmaker no. originally. But it was I, like, oh yeah, Benny's doing that. Once we got a video camera, when the family got a video camera, I want to say it was maybe 12 or 13, and that's when the sketches started. And they were very, very small, but that's where that all began. And it was roping him in and roping neighbors in to start making little commercials and little things. Uh, not nearly as good as your commercials, guys. They're not. <laughs> God, no. They're horrible. Uh, and that's where that started. And then it evolved into longer content, mostly with toys. Almost everything we did in the beginning was with toys because that's what we had. They were the, the easiest actors, actors yeah. to work with. Right. Yeah. All we had was toys. There was five different 30-minute to two-hour-long action figure things that then we would show to friends and like the the screenings grew to like tw- like 50 people at best he's like 20 this is not stop motion this no, is like the, the moving stuff, with the stuff your hands. you know yeah in the beginning yeah. you could see our hands and our bodies we didn't care about that we, you'd see our <laughs> right. face in there and we'd be like <laughs> saying the line down in the beginning down there, yeah. and then they got better and better i remember when gi joe 5 came out oh, people yeah. were and that one i already moved at that point gi joe 5 i was already an adult and in florida and then showing it to all of my disney co-workers and they were like this is pretty good and i was like gi joe 5 we've come we've come a long way <laughs> wow. and then that turned, hanging it up in the break room to come That's see right. the screening the right? Benny Film Festival month well, yeah. let me ask you so <laughs> even now how does the dynamic play out because back then it sounds like you were this creative visionary that you were a willing participant that kind of got pulled into this thing do you still have kind of that role separation in that way now or we pre- creative the origination of ideas is fully together yeah like we don't we never remember who came up with the original idea of something it's it always just comes out of us just sitting and just starting to talk and well, some of our favorite things to do out. still to this day we try to set aside time scheduled just to be creative and let's talk about new ideas and i actually really enjoy that more than anything else and then the actual execution of uh writing it it has always been benny he mm-hmm. goes and he we call it he vomits it out Mm-hmm. And like he'll, he's been known, depending on what we're doing, to literally write like literally a, an hour and a half feature. He'll write in like two days. He'll just like vomit and just throw it out there. And then usually my job, no matter even if it's a three page script or a 90 page script or it's a treatment or, you know, whatever it is, it's I then am the editor to basically be like, great, we came up with all the ideas. Great, great, great. You go do it. And then I'll take it after the fact and I'll shape it. And mostly that ended up happening when we got older because I went to film school. 
he didn't. So mm-hmm. the idea of like how to put together a screenplay in the proper way to even the way we're going to shoot it, thinking about the action, thinking about how everything's going to go into that became like he's the creative like mad genius. He's going to vomit it all out and I'm going to help sculpt it and put it to what we need to actually You've got the technique, you've got it. the tools. Which is how the... it all started. Now, as you've now been for so many years, things again. kind of ebb and flow. <laughs> and like now, though I did not go to film school from doing this for all this time, now like I know all that stuff for the most yeah, part, yeah. but and I can assist in that in ways I couldn't before. And same with him, who was never really the writer from being around it. He's yeah. a capable writer as well, right. and it just kind of has kind of morphed through. But now, as we're growing and moving on, we're not pulling ourselves out of everything, but we're really liking, we're wanting to be more of the creative minds to then push to other people to write Produ- and more producers and we're leaning towards a more producing level because you can't grow producing like the, and show running and executive yeah. producing, like really you have to be high up because i'm sure you guys dealing with it too you can't you have so many ideas and you want to execute them and you literally come to a point where you're like this i, I literally physically there's not enough hours in the day yeah, right. i need other people to you execute become the bottleneck and plus yeah. we don't live yeah. together anymore so there's even less time did you go to broadcasting school or no my my quick story on that i was so from the really religious jewish school to moving upstate to the smaller jewish school did not work i was too beyond it and i also was a very shy kid and i went from a large class to a class of three people in the middle of nowhere town and I couldn't handle even that so long story short when they didn't know they were going to send me away or not I ended up homeschooling and then through homeschooling ended up done with school uh, in terms of high school at 15 so I was in a community college part-time at 15 and then stayed part-time or full-time all the way to age 19 doing great and hating my life. Like I never liked institutionalized schooling. And that's when I ended up down at Walt Disney World because there was the Walt Disney World College Program, which if you're not familiar with it, there's thousands of them that they recruit from around the country and around the world now. Slaves. Slave wages to come be work a, take a semester off and go work at Walt Disney World. It used to be get credit and then the schools got wise and realized it was just indentured servitude and you don't get credit anymore. You're cleaning uh, up vomit, some people. I, I, was, I well, know, you didn't have, I to, didn't do have that, to do that. But some of them did. They got college credit yeah. for cleaning up vomit. Years ago. Yeah. So that's when I ended up down there to do that. That, so and then I task. never, and then yes. I never went back. Task. So from nineteen, I went there for the semester, went back home to shoot a feature, and then came back and and then stayed at Disney all the way until we moved out here. So I never finished school, even though I was there really young. And why but, Disney? Why'd you pick? Yeah. That was the early dream of my life was to be a Walt, a Disneyland cast member that ended up becoming Disney World. And I think that also has to do with entertainment and the idea of how it made me feel as a kid. In the sense of even the escape that I was, you even, wanted to be a, in a mascot. See, look, you you just walked into the stereotype of what everybody says uh, when you say you work at Disney. Okay, World. then you wanted to be Snow White. Listen, what? the two, <laughs> the two I'm, of you, I'm open to that. The hey, two of you would have been. They call them fur when you're in the costumes there. But you guys would have been fur because of your height. You guys are so tall. Oh, that you guys would have been perfect. Tall guys to be goofy, goofy. and to be oh, in these yeah. things. I would be goofy me, all day long. I was the worst height. I was so generic as a height. You that have to be really short or really really short or really tall. Yeah, or look perfectly like somebody. So I just worked in rides, lots and lots of rides. I'm a ride geek still. I love, every time I'm at a theme park, I'm looking at the ride co- operating console one, and like, oh, I can operate this. He literally, like any theme park you go to, he has to talk to you about it. And he's like, oh, I see that they don't have that button. He's like so <laughs> like hipster about it. Well, you and Link have that in common. Although Link was apparently, through the stories I've heard, the worst ride operator ever in the history of ride operators on the Santa Cruz boardwalk. What? Yeah, I, I did that for one summer. I cleaned up pee, I cleaned up vomit, and I got sent home one day because my attitude was so poor. I mean, isn't there a connection? Whoa. (laughs) Like, I only spent, like, a couple months at Disney, like, because after graduating film school and I was working in the industry in New York for a little bit, then I, we we decided we were going to take one year in Florida. I can't handle any more. And then we have to move back to New York or out to LA. And so during that time, I was like, I need a job. Very easy to get a job over there. Literally, I know everybody that works there, thanks to him. This is going to be simple. All the like managers, and they're, they're all like rising up in the company. So easy way to get a job. I couldn't last like more than a couple months. I just- He was part-time. It was like a, a day I couldn't a week. Do it. I couldn't quit. be a part of that, it, it, that <laughs> environment. It's just like coming from like arts and like everything to be like just- the idea of being so regimented and like responsibility it's and like I worked that one really? of the many rides I worked at you don't He's need to take the it song very seriously if you actually get it into it's this. okay I worked there <laughs> I love it, it that you hated it yeah and you I could loved not it. work there yeah it was it was awful the main thing <laughs> I couldn't I like there's so much responsibility you're being paid absolute and you have so much responsibility and people's lives are in your hand because of how these rides work also. <laughs> so right. you're literally like having to be on task and you really need to be paying attention to your job and people treat you like 
Two. <laughs> right. And like you're supposed to Such just a have a smile place. on your face and everything's supposed to be great. The, at the same time, though, like I totally, because I was around all of his friends and I totally, they all have the pixie dust and they're all like, it's so beautiful <laughs> and it's amazing. Well, they also all know that it's not perfect and there's all these problems, but they all look at the positive side of it. And I just couldn't help but always just be like, I see that there's beauty and I love going there. It's fun. I, I really enjoy Disney. But I, to work there, to actually be one of those slaves, I could not do it. I now, could not did, do did it. Did you ever see anybody like, because I know people have gotten like decapitated by Space Mountain and stuff. Did you, were you ever there for that? I <gasps> Were you ever there for that? <laughs> when I worked at in Fantasyland, I was, in, had one I was a middle manager stories. in Fantasyland, and there was a really bad accident at the Peter Pan ride, and someone got really, really hurt. Oh, really? And, oh, somebody uh, got old? Well, he was old, but he... Because they left the ride. They left Neverland and they got well, that's old. The thing. They're right. supposed to say when you come at the end of the ride, it's like, welcome back from Neverland. Like, that's what, like, anyway, uh, he, there's a moving belt at Peter Pan, like Haunted Mansion, yeah. uh, moving platform. But Peter Pan's a very old ride in Florida that has not ever been renovated in the way that it has been in other theme parks. So the moving belt never has a slow speed. And most of, the, most of these rides have slow speeds on the moving belt, not Peter Pan. The only way to stop it is to emergency stop it, which you don't want to do because it's hard to load the ride back up and it might not turn back on so when guests with disabilities oh. come on you have to bring them up the back and they have to step on the moving platform and you train them as they get up there man I'm probably going to get in trouble for telling this story <laughs> but uh, that you, you have them hey when the boat comes across grab the back of the boat and then step, use it to balance yourself and step onto the moving platform this is a disabled person? Uh, it's guests with disability and uh, yeah, people that can walk but not very well. Say it right. Yeah. Okay. So and, and you're telling otherwise them, Mickey will come after. Here you. comes a boat. You exactly. better grab hold of that thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, everybody. It's and that's not going to slow down. Anybody that has worked at Peter Pan's flight has a story where they or a guest has tripped. Like there's a million. All of us because it just is not safe. But anyway, uh, so everyone trips. This particular guest tripped, fell face first into the track. And then they e-stopped it, but all when the e-stop happens, all the boats like kind of swing forward, and the boat swang right into his neck. Ooh. So I got there to like Reservoir Dogs blood, and I thought he was dead, but he wasn't. Oh, but uh, it was too really bad. bad. Guys, too bad. It was a really bad accident. And it could have been Captain Hook. You got, it could have been. If it was dark. <laughs> they you don't know. He could have swooped in there. <laughs> they airlifted him over the It's a Small World building, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, two days later, I had my next interview for management, and that accident had just happened, and so every. Every, all of my different interviews were like, were you part of the incident? <laughs> and I was like, I was the first responder to the incident, mm. and I got promoted the next week. <laughs> really? Yep. And I did such a good and job. And I traded shifts to because it was Valentine's Day when this happened, and I, even back then, always single, had the, uh, the one of the guys was like, look, I have a, a girlfriend. I want to switch. You know, can you work my night shift? And I, I'm like, sure, fine. And I did it, and that happened. And we both were up for manager. He oh. didn't get it, and I did. So I always would tell him, it's because if that. you were there, it would have been you because you would have dealt with the Valentine's Day massacre. Oh, <laughs> the Valentine's God. Day massacre. Me and the other, the other middle oh, manager wow. that was there with me that day, every year on Valentine's Day, we still email each other and be like, happy massacre day. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow, I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> well, let's see if that opportunistic approach uh, to your job applies to YouTube. So you went... You guys moved to L.A.? Yeah. From Florida, yeah. In 2007. You kind of delivered an ultimatum that, uh, listen, I got to get out of here, and you were both there at the time at Disney World. Well, what it was was he finished film school and was doing working in the industry and working his way up through camera departments and stuff. Now, where did you go to school? Hunter College, which is a city school in New York City. Okay. And so when he was doing that, he was making his way up working for Comedy Central shows and different series and stuff and then the decision was because we were still making stuff together when we could because we had already made feature films that went to film festivals yeah. we had like done stuff already even in like high school but it kind of stopped because of yeah. us separating and then he we, I remember the conversation even of like what what makes sense being like I can keep doing this and I might be able to move up and get Maybe connections and that'll help us that'll help if us. I'm working on other things or do we say no like why are we going to keep working for other people we need to just get back together it's been years and let's just start making things together again and go and we already specifically were, for the internet for the internet correct and we were just like we saw things like homestar runner and uh mm-hmm. channel 101 and we were just like we just need to so be this doing is 2005 this man. was well this was 2003 when this conversation happened because yeah. this was we had gone through the film festival circuit in 2001 not the big film festivals just even small ones with our com- with our live our one live action feature and thought that was the plan every year we're going to make a feature yeah. we were influenced by kevin smith and thought oh he made it we can make it and then we Whoa, saw budge, we could do this we saw right away impossible like two former orthodox jews who know no one is never going to make it in the film festival circuit 
what do we do? And the internet was a decision we made in 2003, being like, the internet, we, don't, we didn't imagine it was going to be this, but we right. thought that's going to be a way to get audience. It's going to be a way to show people when you have no connections, hey, you can make something. I'm interested right. in how uh, Kids React came about, but let's go back to the whole maker part of this because mm-hmm. I remember at the... At the um, the founding moments of Maker, you guys were a part of that, or very shortly afterward. Yeah, we were not a part of that original, like when the trailer came out, and even the first the station like, trailer, yeah, the station mean. trailer, and that core group, Nacho Punch. Yeah, it's now now what people know or not know uh, is called Nacho Punch now. But uh, originally, YouTube.com slash the station, uh, which re- now re- brings you to Nacho Punch. Correct. Uh, was that gr- the group of some really elite top YouTubers at that time, uh, which at that time, the biggest ones were Philip DeFranco, Shane Dawson, and, and Dave, Dave Days. Days. Yeah. And then other people were in there, Lisa Nova, Shay Carl, Kasim G, Hi, I'm Ron. And what did they, they, Derek? Yeah. Is that all of them? And Totally Sketch. Well, Totally Sketch, but he was there. He was as more a, of an employee he was not, kind yes, of situation. Correct. Right, he wasn't like the core correct. in the trailer. Um, so they made a bunch of content, already got it off the ground. And then we were in the scenario where like we always thought we would never be able to become some bigger thing on YouTube. We would. We always wanted to work for a college humor. We were like, this is, I guess, what we have to well, do. Well, we needed to make, we had to make a living. Like, it yeah, became the yeah. point yeah. of work like, for there a were break, day jobs. Still, heavy, I was still flying for... back to Orlando to still work every few months because they let me stay on as a seasonal manager. So I would fly back every few months. He had a day job. There's blood and on it, the belt. Get back get here. Back here. <laughs> <laughs> we need help. But so we went in there just kind of We talk. went in there to have just a conversation with the people that were running their company because we knew some of them and we knew Shane and it was like, well, right. how can we maybe help you guys can we maybe get a paycheck is how it kind of started and from there they kind of sold us on like you should just be, be here. Yeah. And within two months, we were the head of production and the head of creative for Maker Studios and hired the entire first staff and were producing or writing or a combination for all of those channels at, at, from like mm, November 09 to July 2010, something like that. Though very few people even know we were ever there yeah. because the whole point of it even for us was like we're running it for everyone else it was not about us it was about all of them and building something that so, they, they talk about in, a, in an idealistic mm-hmm. way that we believed in once things stopped matching up with where the company was going to what we believed in we left so you yeah. were producing things that we would know like you mentioned to me oh going deep with Casim G. G yeah yeah it would be the station again Nacho Punch they re- they they got rid of all the videos you can't see them anymore so all this work that we did over at the station is no gone. longer online so there was a whole bunch of things that were on the station that Great we were stuff. involved with and series that never finished and things like that but so there's all that series there and then uh, th- we in the beginning of going deep with Casim G uh, we helped to book that show and his awkward moments was something we helped him with too right. uh, and the Shea Carl channel like things like Man vs. Wife and The Perfect Life I don't know if you remember those shows mm-hmm. and uh, we were I think we we actually wrote the, all of the Perfect Life episodes we wrote yeah. a bunch of stuff for Shea we wrote more for Shea than we wrote for other people I, we really Shea. liked writing for Shea <laughs> um, but then we would help produce and we brought in other writers we had a whole contributing writing system for like all the comedy clubs so a lot of the sketch comedy that would show up on the station was written by writers that to, there's writers on community now that wrote things for Maker that we had gotten in connection with and that's even how we met Nice Peter that way too he was, he was Lloyd submitted. Epic Lloyd runs the you know, West Side Comedy Theater so we wrote him yeah and, he, he told us yeah we had him in here so yeah. he told us how uh, you and Lloyd kind of brought Pete in. I literally uh, remember being on the phone with him outside of Maker's like motel. Uh, at like, the time. We, it wasn't called Maker yet, I don't think. Mm. Either, but we were, was it? It was, but no one referred to it as we Maker. Were, I was like outside just making these calls because there was no privacy. We were all like bunched together in these rooms. And so I was walking out calling each of the, the heads of these various places of the UCB and Groundlings and everything. And I remember just getting on the phone with Lloyd. And he was just <laughs> like, I've got like three people I want to send you. And it's similar like, to the Shane wait. Dawson scenario. We saw a couple of nice Peter videos and we're like, whoa. Oh. Yeah, right. And be like, we have to bring this guy in. So it was, it was, there was a lot of fun. I would say there was a lot of positives in terms of the content that was being made. But what was the mismatch? What happened? Well, Well, I think that there were steps along the way of like, even when we, around the time that we first got there, you know, Shane and Phil like had their kind of falling out and they ended up having their reasons. And if they're on here, they could maybe talk about their reasons. But so- Well, they've both been on here. So now you have to tell us their reasons. They didn't talk about it? (laughs) Well, they had lots of other things to talk about. (laughs) Well, I- 
we can't really talk about it. Sure. What, um, are, you, what are your reasons? You know. Well, even for even ourselves, us, we can't we're not really allowed talk to really it. talk about it. But the basic idea is that things did not align. Like in the idea of us uh, growing a company and being a part of like the top of a company, being executives at a company, and also again, didn't if, if really match if up you, for us, we're known better or worse as also being very vocal people about multi-channel networks in general right and maker was like the first one and we were there when it first happened when we all joined into one cms account we were i remember the day we all signed the paperwork to do it like it's a very big deal and from being around what that meant and our beliefs in that system and especially when you even see now it wasn't just because of our history there that we felt that way we have very specific things about being taken advantage of that we didn't want to see happen in certain paperwork for any MCN and certain things like that started not aligning with their where they were trying to grow the company into this gigantic mega thing that it is today Mm -hmm. versus this thing that was really going to be a united artist supporting each other growing to grow and promote people and that was there was just a conflict in terms of in a way it is like being more of a business versus being a business but in a content way and right. it didn't line up that's the that's that's a very yes the political way <laughs> it's a political way and like there's there's a lot of other reasons and it just uh we couldn't work there anymore <laughs> but and, we want but at the same time like on our side we couldn't work there anymore but we wanted to fully still support and help and be a part of it however we could we just knew that whatever we the idea originally was like the fine brothers are done we're now a part of another company you know like just like if we were to have gone and worked for a college humor it wouldn't be about us anymore it'd be about college humor so that that period of eight or nine months was no more us we're going to create more fine brothers we're going to help other people and then we finally were just like with what we believe in and the way that we want to get there and how we want to treat people and uh, across the board we knew that we had to go and do our own thing, but be supportive and help them however they we could. If they wanted it. And they didn't, and they end didn't up want, want it. it. When we left working for the station and maker. There were opportunities other places. Yeah. A lot of other people came knocking, being like, run our digital studio. And yeah. we entertained those for a bit, thinking, oh, is that what we want to do? And then realized, well, you know, we've never been full-time on YouTube before. And even being around something like Maker energizes you a little bit when we're doing this for everyone else we're like well we've never tried like what would happen if we just developed and just said mm-hmm. let's take a, let's take six months and let's see what happens and that's what we decided to do so we, we, we could be in executives brainstorm. in five years you know we went, if this we went into a brainstorm and insanity. i still have the yeah. flash card that i found when we moved that had multiple things on it but one of it was like kids reacting to something question mark <laughs> what else was on the note card uh, other shows that we L- made like Lindsay lohan L- Lindsay lohan show, show making fun i think of there was something was called through. one week equals seven days that we've never made never done. that you never liked enough for us to make yeah. what is that uh it doesn't work it sounds a little <laughs> bit <doesn't work. laughs> too true. i love it it never anyway, has worked i love the f- i'm never gonna win i think but, uh, last moments was on there well, what, we'll, is, we'll what, what is what is one week equals seven days it's it's the the gist of it is that the sketch is it'll start with like you know sunday and and then you see little vignettes that happen throughout an entire week that tell a whole story. One week equals seven days. Okay. <laughs> so you're able to quickly see in like a minute or two minutes, like How this crazy story to somebody from over point the course A to point B. Yeah, we'll start working on that. But perfect. You'll see that it's a brilliant idea. But, <laughs> It'll uh, become the biggest format. <laughs> so Kids Ranch was part of a, a large slate of development that we were in production for a couple of months shooting a ton of different things. That, but that this was like a shooting out of the experience of the maker thing yeah. you were like we are going to rack our brains list a bunch of ideas and then we're going to produce a whole bunch well, of them before even before maker we uh we had a, a system of how we shoot things which was like there's no point you're gonna if you have a show that you want to make or you have a format you have to be able the only to, shoot. Way to really test it isn't we don't really think that piloting with one episode no. really gives you a gauge on youtube we pretty much were like it's a it's a two-man team and, you know, you can do everything with two people. And this is even what we brought to Maker. It was like, everything's going to be two men. It's going to be like a great, like, director, a- camera person, and then a super PA. And so that was pretty much always kind of like our kind of version of it. And then you have to be able to, like, shoot three in a day. Like, whatever that thing is, got to be three in a day. So we were doing that, and we brought that whole idea to Maker for all the talent and all their shows and whatever we would be producing. And so we went back out of that being like, great, why don't we basically just make like 10 of those and like just go crazy. And so that period of time when you look, we rebranded the channel. It was a new show every Sunday. That was the idea that sometimes it was the same show, but like we'd have four different shows running at a given time that would air once a month. Right. But you weren't just thinking, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but yeah. You weren't just thinking, oh, this is a funny idea. This would make a great viral video, which no, I think no. a lot of times is the trap that we get caught in when we create 
We things. always think viral series. I mean, even right. think which I think it, I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's so smart, you know, uh, for obvious reasons. When something catches, and then it's like, oh, we've got the formula. Especially if you can do shoot three in a day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. you know, as a as a criteria. That's at the, the top only of way your we brainstorming. Develop. Where yeah. we, yes. we make the mistake of shooting for three days. That's I know, <laughs> and like, and, and that's, a, <laughs> that's but yeah. the do. other side of it. Of the other reason why we really bought into bought into that concept, and even at Maker, it works really well. Was like if you do that and, and find things you really do like that you can shoot that much of, it frees you up to do the thing that takes you three days to shoot one thing, and you're not panicked about when my next video is coming out because you already shot all we these other videos. We would have conversations with each of them, like we'd be like guys, like like the like Shay or Casper or Timmy came on. Timmy came and, in, yeah. and it was just like Delegato. Yes. You gotta you gotta you know, you gotta do this, then you have to. This is how you get your channel going. You gotta have it, you gotta be constant, you gotta be moving, you can't have a week where you're missing, all that stuff, like the whole strategy of that idea that has become synonymous with what YouTube is if you're a big channel. And then we were like, and they'd be like, Well, I need to make this thing. We're like, We're not gonna make that thing until you make once you have these the nine quick, episodes in the can, we'll make yeah, that thing. Then we'll take make a week. that thing. Like you know, yeah, exactly. we can put Hold the resources can thing. go towards it. But anyway, so Right. So it was, but even then the goal of throwing things on the wall was finding a format because we had the lost parodies, we had spoilers, things that were very popular, but never stuck in the way that we saw other things at the time. Epic Mealtime and, and Annoying, Annoying Orange. Orange had completely We were like, up. whoa, this and is working now. We could, we have to find what that is. What is yeah. our Annoying Orange and that we you work saw, every week? Like talking with Dane, the creator of Annoying Orange and everything, we were friends with him for a really long time and we saw him go through almost a similar process where he was always making like weird little viral series like funny really great viral stuff or one talking offs. eggs yeah talking i love those videos like one-offs and series he would have all these things like demon face and like all this stuff that he would do and he had this base of like a good every video we put out no doubt would get 50 to 100 thousand views and we were also in that boat where we were like 50 to 100 thousand views and you'd never really see anything pop more than that and you'd be like okay who knows and then dane all of a sudden put out annoying orange and it was insanity mm-hmm. and so we were we started seeing that that idea of like if we just find the show because we have that similar kind of thing. We have this audience that will then seed it to everybody if it hits. And we yeah. thought maybe it would be spoilers if we did it in a different way. We thought about that yeah. being weekly at one point. But then if you go back to the around October 2010 when Kids React started, there was a narrative web series going. There was our Lindsay Lohan kind of pop culture parody thing. There was interactive content we were making. Yeah. The last moments of relationships with the show that we still kind of do now. They were all just kind of going and going going. And even right away when we shot Kids React, which the, the main – the the early origination of the idea was that I was around kids for various things we were shooting at Maker, and I'd have to, and I would, if I was directing or even if I was producing, I would try. As you guys have worked with kids a lot, you gotta, if you really need them to perform, you've got to become friends with that kid before you start rolling. It's they're gonna shut down. Mm-hmm. So I started having a lot more detailed conversations with children, and it was fascinating me. I was like charting trying to talk to them about things and then realizing, oh, they're holding a phone. And like, you know, the whole conversation uh-huh. was like, this was not me when I was a child, like at <laughs> all. And it's not, it wasn't that Losing long ago. Way, and yeah. so it became from a scripted place first. And we were like, what's like some way we can show the difference between children now and the past in a script? And then as we started talking about that idea, it shifted into YouTube and YouTube videos and kids watching. And what would they think about seeing this? And we're like, why are we doing this? We should just show them a video. It's kind of mm-hmm. how we got to it. And it was we weren't even sure. Like we brought in uh, the kids and we didn't know exactly how it was going to be edited together. We, we just, just shot. knew yeah. that we wanted to show them a bunch of videos. And we didn't really know that it was going to be kind of like this separation of watching and question time. I just but we knew, took we knew, the footage and started We editing. took the ideas of like, well, we know we want to cover a lot of different things. And that first episode had like Double Rainbow in it, which was huge and a really big video. But then it also had President Obama in a vi- viral video because even then we were playing around with, well, what about kids talking about more serious things? Like, so it was like that first two episodes of Kids React, are, you can see our mind at play of like, <laughs> oh, like, we tried these types of things. Yeah. Does, does it all work? And we, even then we're like, we think the most interesting is probably the President Obama. Like, you know, and even to this day, those more bigger episodes are the ones that we really get the most passionate about and love that we have a format to talk about things like bullying in a real way and things like that. But that's where it really all came from. And then right away when he was editing it, I remember looking at a cut and I didn't know it would be what it would be, but I was like, this is going to be like, this is going to, this is a million views quick. Like I know this is going to travel around the web. This Everybody's is going to be good. Because we had so many relationships with so many websites by that point of years of being featured on places. So we were just like, everybody's going to want to post this thing. Like sometimes we'd be like, ah, we can only send this to like 20 people. Mm-hmm. This one was like, this, everybody's this is like, want to post it felt this. much more mainstream and more universal than anything we'd made before. One of the reasons we love talking to you is that I feel like we, you know, we 
we're constantly trying to learn. And, uh, it, you know, the, because you guys are so active in the way that you think and your students are the medium, there's no telling what you're going to continue to produce and you're going to continue to stay busy. I think the question I've got for you is when, you know, when you get to that point where you're like, okay, I feel like we can kind of take our foot off the gas and I know it's tough to do. I, know, I, I can relate to that. Yeah. What do you want to do when you settle down? What is settling down for the Fine Brothers? I think only like literally when we moved was the first time we even had a moment to start thinking about that. I mean, I know for me, I really want to travel. I definitely want to see more of the world in the same way that I'm getting to, in a way I want to make content there, but throwing that to the side, <laughs> it's like, I want to, I always have a, I, I, and it's just gotten more by doing these react shows. I love to meet people and I love to see the way I like realizing how, how easy you can get stuck in your own life. And especially in America, Americans are very much this way. We don't go anywhere. We have we feel like we're the center of the universe versus going to other countries. And where, how do people really live in these places? What is different hu- human to human living somewhere else versus living here? I really like to do more traveling. And I even look to you guys, and we've talked about this sometimes, of like, there's envy even to the fact of you being able to still produce the content that you do at the quality you make it with families, because that yeah. is something we're, that we're, we, I, I, it's something both, I really want, yeah, and we I'm both not close to uh, it now. Like, we both haven't gotten to the point where we're like, we want families, but it's but more we want. of yeah. being envious of people like you guys, and we have specifically, you guys have come up in that sense of like, it's, it's amazing to see that you guys have been able to do what you've done uh, and have also this whole, literally this whole life, like like literally what quote unquote life is for people, you've somehow been able to do both. And for me, I've just been, I couldn't even imagine being able to even, I don't even know how I'm going to get to that point where I can it's even the thought, be ready to do that and because I've of the, how bad get a girl gotten. pregnant. <laughs> By mistake, get, get her pregnant. Get a random girl pregnant. That's how pregnant. both of you guys did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> the first one you can talk it, talk into it, and then everything changes. Please let me get you pregnant, random woman. <laughs> Let's that, build I think a life that was together. my line right there. <laughs> Very sexy. Well, guys, we, we wish you the best in what you're doing now and in those plans for the future. So uh, we'll keep tabs on that. And it's time for you to sign the table. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right, there you have it, our conversation with Benny and Rafi Fine. I mean, these guys are defining digital entertainment. I mean, it's 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 an honor to call them friends, and it's it's nice to have been able to really under, understand their story. And I mean, I was struck with the fact that they've really paid their dues. You know, Kids React is by no means the first viral thing that they ever created. Um, and even the things on, even before their channel, they were creating viral videos on MySpace. Well, I mean, that's, <clears throat> that's going way back. I, I think that, you know, there is a perception from people who either, you know, aren't involved in the YouTube community, don't know many people who are, who they see YouTube as a place where accidents happen. You know, oh yeah, the guy who made that video and it accidentally went mm-hmm. viral. And, and while that is a dynamic of YouTube, when you talk to somebody like the Fine Brothers, you're just struck with the systematic approach that Calculation. they bring. It's so calculated, it's so tenacious, and I know we, that's something everybody has had in common in one sense who's been on Ear Biscuits is they're all so tenacious, but these guys are not just tenacious. They're smart and calculated and purposeful, and we, we love, in fact, after they left, we just talked to them for a while. After <laughs> because, they left? You mean yeah. after we stopped recording? They were still here when we were oh, speaking yeah, yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah, after, yeah, well, I was on the phone with them. That's what I didn't tell you. <laughs> no. After we stopped recording, we just kept talking to them and asking them all these questions. We can't, I mean, you know, it's stuff you wouldn't care about. The the minor details and nuances of uploading and, you know, YouTube videos. But and, seriously, another hour, maybe an hour and a half of that. And they could have kept going. That's the thing is I love when I feel like I've tapped into something and they just start talking, completing each other's sentences and just going and going and going and going. I mean, these guys are a wealth of knowledge. I mean, they've, they should write a book. You know what? We should write a book and get them to write it. Ghost writing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's what happens on your biscuit. That's what you get. Chomp down, go to the deep end. I don't, whatever kind of euphemism you want to use, if you like being touched, you're in the right place. Oh my. Um, we do it every week, so 
I'm gonna I, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. You know, I'm gonna like, retract that. Just that's why there's two of us. I'm gonna retract that. If you like being touched, you know, listen. If you don't like being touched, if you're skittish about that kind of thing, you're welcome <laughs> here too, because we're not gonna touch you unless it's with sound waves going into your ears. That's exactly what I meant. All right, we'll see you, or you'll hear us next week. <laughs>